Well, hey there, and welcome to the Scattered Saints podcast. My name is Josh, and I'm so glad that you decided to join us today. We have another awesome message as part of our Prepare Him Room series. Pastor Brett is going to be bringing an awesome message of hope in this season where a lot of us feel detached um, and lonely. Know that this is going to be an encouragement for you and your family. So turn up your volume, get ready, and I'll talk to you guys at the end of the message. Good morning, good morning, good morning, good afternoon, good night if you're watching this later on demand. Uh, I'm so glad that you're here with us. My name is Brett. I'm the senior pastor of both West Seminary Christian Assembly and Engaged Church, uh, coming together as one family uh, under one name 2021. But uh, I'm just so honored that you're spending some time. And before we, we jump into the world, we're going to get into the scriptures. We are Jesus people, and, and we believe that the Bible is full of timeless truths for everyday life. It's the word of God, uh, and it worked yesterday, today, and forever, and so we build our lives on this foundation. But before we get there, I just have to say a huge, giant thank you. Uh, we have teams that have been working so hard. This weekend was a big, big weekend. We had teams that were out sending uh, different deliveries filled with just Christmas joy, spreading the Christmas spirit across the Edmonton region. So we had delivery drivers and people packing. We had people uh, for weeks packing all these little Christmas surprises. So thank you to the teams who drove and delivered. Thank you for the teams who, who worked so hard to pack. Thank you for the teams that wrote cards. Thank you for the teams that prepared it and designed all the different things that need to go in. We have amazing teams. At the same time, at the very same time, we had an incredible team working together, working on Christmas Eve. That's right. Christmas Eve, we've got an incredible online experience, and we've got five different service times for you and your family to experience it online, 12, 2, 4, 6, and 8 p.m. So there's a, there's a time that works for you and your family schedule this year. We know that Christmas looks a little little different, but you can start a brand new Christmas tradition this year by uh, experiencing Christmas Eve online and also on Yes TV. You can catch it on Christmas Day at 10.30 a.m. So we are just so excited that uh, we can be a part of this Christmas season. I, again, I'm blown away by our teams and by our volunteers who selflessly give of their time, their energy, and their effort to serve. We had another team, you might not know this, we had another team that was over at West Edmonton Mall at the chapel, and they actually installed uh, a near-life-size nativity scene. So it's a beacon of hope in the mall during this crazy time pointing towards the reason for the season. That's right. And, and I just want to say this. Uh, our, our church is built on and thrives through teams. And maybe there's a way that you want to get involved and you want to get connected and, and you want to take a next step in your involvement in church, whether it's online or in person, there's all kinds of ways for you to get involved. Like shout out to our host team who's doing an amazing job today. You can head to our website, scatteredsaints.ca, and you can hit the sign up button. You can sign up to volunteer. We'd love to have you on a team. Okay. We're in the midst of a conversation, a sermon series called Prepare Him Room. It actually comes out of a line from my favorite Christmas song of all time, Joy to the World. And it talks about this moment when the innkeeper, who actually probably was an innkeeper, who's probably just a, a family member, uh, was about to receive Mary and Joseph. They showed up, all the families descending, uh, 
on Bethlehem, and he didn't have any room for them in the in the house, and so they they figured out some spot in the manger, and they had to prepare him room. In this season, we are preparing room for Jesus to do something in our hearts and in our lives. Let's uh, let's jump into the Bible. If you've got a Bible, uh, let's go together to the book of Luke. We're going to the book of Luke chapter one. If you're ready, say, I'm ready. You come on, you just drop it in the chat. You say, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. That's right. We get the hands up. We got the emojis. We got the hearts going. I'm ready to jump into the scriptures. This is Luke chapter one. Luke chapter one. Many have undertaken to compile a narrative about the events that have been fulfilled among us. Just as the original eyewitnesses and servants of the word handed them down to us, so it also seemed good to me, since I have carefully investigated everything from the very first to write to you in an orderly sequence, most honorable Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things about which you have been instructed. Now, sometimes we don't dive into these little pieces of scripture because it's like, it's just... It's just an introduction. How much, how much stuff is in the introduction? What we learn in this introduction is there's a word that was used very specifically by Dr. Luke. The writer of this gospel was a medical doctor. He cared about scientific process. He was very diligent in, in, in making sure that what he was capturing and sharing was accurate. And he uses a word that's not used in other gospels, eyewitness that we were eyewitnesses. That original word that he used, if you take it back to the original language, uh, actually is autoptes, autoptes, which is where we get our word autopsy. (laughs) Imagine that. So it's like he's saying in medical terms, He's like, we, we were witnesses, we were eyewitnesses to what was going on, and we've done an autopsy on our findings, and this is what we found. You can trust this because we've been diligent in the preparation of these stories and narratives so that you can know that it is the truth. And so we stand on that. We stand on the word and we know that through these stories, which aren't fictional stories, they're personal stories, they're personal stories of the transformation of Jesus, that through these stories, they impact our stories directly as we put our hope and faith in Jesus. Now, today is a very significant day uh, for me. Uh, I'm actually preaching with my grandpa's Bible and uh, this is really cool. I have to say thank you to Janice and Talitha because as I was preaching with it earlier in the week, it actually fell apart. And uh, in a number of days, they got it recovered. And it's, it's so special and beautiful. So thank you so much for doing that. But the reason um, I'm, I'm speaking with it today is I, I wanted to share something from my childhood. And my grandparents had a healing ministry. And so growing up, it was not uncommon for, I was the oldest grandson, a grandchild period, but oldest grandson, uh, for us to go and help out at the different healing services and, you know, catch people if they fell, if you've ever seen that, uh, pray for people, I, I would lead worship, do all kinds of things. But growing up, uh, just like any other kid, we would have sleepover at our grandparents, and I looked forward to my sleepovers uh, so much. We would have hot chocolate, we would play games, uh, we'd, we'd have our special sleeping bags, And then uh, we would wake up, we would do devotions with my grandparents. Grandpa would use this Bible. We would do devotions. And as we would do devotions, and my grandma would make homemade Egg McMuffins, uh, my grandpa would read the scriptures. 
and then he would do something. You could always tell when it was coming. My grandpa would shift, and all of a sudden, his voice would get a little shaky. He'd begin to start to tear up, and he'd start to tell us a story. He'd start to tell us a story about somebody that they prayed for. He'd start to tell us how at a meeting recently that they would go and they would lay their hands on somebody and they would pray for them and, and they would be healed. Now, my grandpa's since passed, but I can, I can fondly remember hearing these stories. He, he told me a story about going to a hospital, a specific hospital, and a baby had, had a hole in their skull, and they prayed. And as they prayed from outside of the viewing area, and they prayed for the family, the hole started to close up, and it was miraculous. I remember my grandpa, his eyes swelling with tears, and they would run down his cheeks as he would tell the story about a man who ripped his bicep and the muscle rolled back up into his arm and as he came and they prayed for him they would go to people's houses that the, the muscle started to regrow and reattach and he got full use of his arm so he could go back to work and take care of his family I remember the story of my grandparents heading to Mexico doing a crusade and they happened to be at somebody's house you know it wasn't always about the public it was at somebody's house and they prayed for a lady who was blind and her eyes were open and she could see. I can hear the sound of the shaking in my grandpa's voice and the tears running down his face as he would tell us these incredible stories of Jesus working not 2,000 years ago, but today in the here and now. He would tell these stories of great faith, and they weren't stories to him. They were real people with real lives, with real events. And I remember those stories. I remember them so vividly with so much detail. I, I couldn't even, like, it would take me hours to share the stories that I've heard, but it was those stories and my grandpa sharing those stories that actually started to frame my faith. It started to frame my faith, to change the way that I understood God. It began to establish in my heart and in my mind that with Jesus, anything is possible. It was in those moments and through those stories and, and through, those, uh, sh through sharing that I knew that God was active and he was alive. It created in me this faith with every story there's more faith in my heart. Now, I want us to jump in. We're still in Luke chapter 1. I want us to jump into this encounter. This is when uh, Gabriel appears to Mary. This angel, Gabriel, he's coming to deliver this news. It says, listen, you're about to give birth, a virgin birth. You're going to give birth to a son. His name is Jesus. Um, and he just kind of lays it all out there. But you know, I have to be honest, I, I've, I've, I've preached Christmas for every year for like the last 12, 15 years. And, and I've, I, you know, just like you, we've heard this Christmas story. I never caught this moment until right now. This is Luke chapter 1. We're going to go to uh, verse 36. Luke chapter 1, verse 36. Again, jump in the chat. If you're with me, say, I'm with you. I'm with you right now. He says, and consider your relative Elizabeth. Even she has conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month for her who is called childless. For nothing will be impossible with God. 
I don't know if you catched, caught it or if you saw it. This angel shows up. And the angel tells Mary, listen, listen, Mary. Here's this amazing thing. There's an angel in her room that's, that's like glowing. And I'm assuming he's just like hovering in the corner light. And he literally had to say, like, be calm. It's okay. It was a bright light, this amazing supernatural encounter. And the way that he cements it, the way that he closes this thing, all these promises, he says, listen, I want you to go and talk to your cousin Elizabeth. If you talk to your cousin Elizabeth, what you're going to discover is that uh, if you talk to Elizabeth, her story, her story, her testimony, this account of what God is doing in her life is going to give you confidence that with God, anything is possible. Today, what I want you to know is that this Christmas, your story has the power to prepare room for Jesus in the hearts of your family and your friends. This Christmas, your story has the power to prepare room for Jesus in the lives of your family and friends. Think about this uh, in, in Revelation 12. They conquered him, the accuser, the Satan, Satan, the evil one, by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. Think about this, Romans 10, 17. So faith comes from hearing, that is hearing the good news about Christ. Did you know that your story... God at work in you is more powerful than you could ever hope, imagine, or dream. So many times I think you hear a great testimony and you think, well, you know, I, my life has just kind of been like, it's been good, but like I don't have this dramatic story. You know what? Every situation that you've been in, every time you've trusted in Jesus is preparing you to share that story with somebody else because at just the right moment, at just the right time, Jesus wants you to use what he's done in your life to give hope and inspire somebody else in their life. Now, I don't know about you, um, but when I'm doing my Bible reading, I kind of skip over the genealogies. The genealogies are those like long list of names. And sometimes I'm just like, listen, I don't know why these are here. Why are these even important? In fact, we see in Matthew and Luke, we see two sets of genealogies, which appear to both be uh, for Joseph. But in actuality, these genealogies... Uh, it's believed one represents Joseph and one actually represents Mary. So in Matthew, we see Joseph's lineage. And what we, many theologians believe is that, and there's conflicting thoughts on this, but uh, many theologians believe that in Luke chapter 3, come on, let's just jump over there, that in Luke chapter 3, that what you're actually discovering is Mary's genealogy. This is uh, Luke chapter 3. Verse 23, he says, as he began his ministry, Jesus was about 30 years old and was thought to be the son of Joseph, son of Eli. So you see the H, but it's actually pronounced Eli. And that phrase, thought to be the son, is very, very uncommon. So understanding that, that Luke earlier said, listen, I've gone through these things. I've gone through these reports like an autopsy. I, I've used an approach that's so evidence-based that we can understand or draw a conclusion from his process that the difference from Matthew to Luke and the significance of that change 
is enough to point us in a direction to say, okay, it wouldn't be common at this time and in this culture, in this era for this to be Mary's lineage. So they would put in Joseph as a stand-in, which is why he so carefully picked that language. He so carefully chose to say that, listen, it was thought to be the son of Joseph, meaning we know who his true heavenly father is. In this story, in this account, in this genealogy, is more than a list of names. Now you and I read it as names. When Mary reads it, she reads it as family members. And with each family member, there is a story. And with each story, there is a component of the faithfulness of God, the goodness of God at work through the generations that she can track back. This was actually very, very, very common that you would share verbally the stories of faith that were passed down through the generations so that the generations knew what God was doing. We can actually find this. Uh, We'll go back to the Old Testament in the book of Deuteronomy. It says this in Deuteronomy 4 verse 9. It says, but watch out, be careful, never for to, uh, to forget what you yourself have seen. Do not let these memories escape from your mind as long as you live and be sure to pass them on to your children and to your grandchildren. A more traditional translation says, and pass it on from generation to generation to your children and to your children's children and to your children's children's children. There is a tradition of sharing the goodness of God the faithfulness of God through the generations, through the spoken word, so that when Mary gets this word from an angel, it's confirmed by the goodness of God at work in her cousin Elizabeth, and it is confirmed through the generations. He says, you know what? If it was good enough for my grandfather, then it's good enough for me. And if it's good enough for my great-grandfather, it's good enough for me. And if God did it in Elizabeth, and if he can do it in her, then he can do it in me. Did you know that Jesus is using the story of not only you, but he is using your family story in this season to prepare rooms for, to prepare rooms in the heart of your friends and family for Jesus. Your family story is more significant than you could have ever asked, imagined, or dreamed. You know, and I, I gotta, I just, this, this is what I want to encourage, okay? I know that this Christmas is going to look different. I know that it's going to feel different. I know that the traditions are all changed. This is the time. This is the time for our moms and dads and for our grandmas and grandpas and maybe even great-grandmas and great-grandpas to tell the story of the faithfulness of God at work in their life as if to say, listen, we're going to make it through this. Do you know why? Because I made it through this thing in this season and God was faithful and this is what he did for me when I was going through this. And this is what he did for my family when we were going through this. This is what happened when we didn't have any food and groceries showed up at my doorstep. This is what happens when we trust Jesus with our life. Your family story, come on grandmas and grandpas, your family story can shape the faith of the next generation and from generation to generation 
generation. The goodness of God at work in your life is worth telling. And can I tell you, grandsons and granddaughters and great-grandsons and great-granddaughters, it is worth hearing of the faithfulness of God because it's going to create a framework of faithfulness for you to be able to step into the next season so that you know that it's not only the stories of Scripture that are true, but it's the story of God at work in the life of people that you know and trust. What an incredible privilege it is to share the goodness of God through the generations. Come on, I want to just jump back into the scripture. Come on, if you're still with me, just throw that in the chat right now. Throw that in the chat right now. We're here in Romans 8. Romans 8. We're going to go to the 15th verse of the 8th chapter of the book of Romans, which is in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. And you can find that in the New Testament, Romans 8, verse 15. The word the Apostle Paul written on parchment, a letter sent to the church at Rome. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Instead, you received the power of adoption. Uh, sorry, you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children. And if children also heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Maybe you're watching this today and you don't have yet that same story, that same story of the faithfulness of God in your family. Can I tell you, Jesus wants to start writing that story that will be told in the generations through your life. But I want to tell you today that his story is now your story. He's rewriting. He's rewriting your family story right now. He says, you're adopted. You're a part of my family now, which means you carry my traits and my lineage and, and my DNA. That if you come and if, and if you experience this, like this idea of being reborn and a new birth, that, that you're a part of our family and you are a part of the family of God. His story is now your story. The faithfulness of God uh, is passed on through the generations. In fact, you could even go as far as to say that the same power that conquered the grave now lives in me. The same power that conquered the grave now lives in me. That's Romans 8, 11. The same power that conquered the grave now lives in me, meaning that resurrection power is inside of you, that you will see greater things when you trust Jesus, that when you, then we take that step of faith, that you will see Jesus do greater things in your life and in the life of your family. I want to encourage you today. Maybe you've heard a story of faith. Maybe you've heard a story of Jesus doing something in a family member. You said, oh, that's good for them, but I don't know that it's possible for me. No, no, it's possible for you today. It's possible for you to stand on the faithfulness of God that's been passed down through generations. It is possible. It is possible. Listen, it is possible for you to hear a story of God at work in somebody else's life and for you to stand on his promises and say, Jesus, I heard that you did that for them. If you did it for them, you could do it for me. Just in the same way that Mary stood on the promise and he says, listen, if you did it for Elizabeth, you can do it for me. 
His story is now your story. Jesus at work. <laughs> this is uh, John chapter 1, 14. So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. Come on, that's who he is. You might have heard a lot about Jesus, but I want to tell you who he is. He's full of unfailing love and faithfulness. That's why when you see a major miracle happening in Scripture, there's generally this line that goes in front of Jesus about to do something amazing, and it says he was overcome or overwhelmed or he was moved by compassion. It is out of his love and his faithfulness that Jesus is writing a new story and a new chapter and rewriting old chapters. And it's out of his love and his faithfulness, he says, you can trust me in this season. It's out of his love and his faithfulness that he's now encouraging us to share the story of his love and faithfulness to you and your family, to the generations. It's time for the kids to know how God provided. It's time for the grandkids to know. And, and it's time for us to have ears to hear and to understand what Jesus is doing, has done in the generations past and to understand that as long as there's life and there's air and there's breath that God is saying to us that greater things are still to come. Greater things are still to come. He's still doing something. He wants to use you. Jesus wants to become the hero of your story. He wants to become the hero of your story. Whether you're far from God, or you're interested in God, or you're being drawn in to, to, to come closer to Jesus, whether you, you know nothing about him and you're just seeing this for the very first time, but there's something inside of you that says, you know, could he do that for me? Jesus wants to become the hero of your story. Come on, let's look at John 10. John 10. Sorry, John 1. We'll start at verse 10. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected, to him, uh, rejected him, but to all who believed him and accept him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. I don't know about you, but... When I'm driving by like a car accident on the side of the road, uh, I'm always amazed at the number of people who stop and slow down. And they just want to look and they want to see what's happening. Uh, or, you know, something happens in a public place and they're like, listen, I, people just crowd around. And, and you might hear a doctor or a medical professional or a paramedic say, listen, give, give me some room to work. Give me some, give me some space. Give me some room to work. You know, all these people are just crowded in. They just want to see what's going on. They just want to know so bad what's happening. Come on, give some room to work. Can I invite you this Christmas, this season, to give Jesus some room to work? Would you give Jesus some room to work? Would you prepare him room? <laughs> he wants to do something if you would let him do something. You know, for some of us, that means letting go uh, of certain controls of certain outcomes. We just got to trust. For some of us, it means that we have to believe Jesus. <laughs> We have to believe him when he said, I'm going to take care of you, that I will never leave you 
will forsake you. For some of us, <laughs> that means <laughs> we have to stop making it trying. Uh, we have to stop trying to make it happen. We have to let Jesus lead us. You know, a friend of mine <sighs> reminded me this week that the battle um, is not ours, it is the Lord's. And we've got to trust him. Now, you don't have to fight for what he's already given you. And I believe that's not just a word for me, but it's a word for you. We can trust Jesus in this season. Will you, will you give him some room? Will you trust him? Will you invite Jesus into your situation? Will you trust him? Can, can, can I encourage you this? If you're already a believer, if you're already following Jesus, if you follow Jesus one step at a time, this season, will you do something on purpose to share about the goodness of God at work in your life? Maybe you need to use this Facebook platform and maybe instead of spewing false information or, 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 or spreading just doubt, maybe you need to start using this platform as a method to spread hope and life and tell the story of Jesus at work in your life. Maybe it's time this season that we need to pick up the phone and call somebody. We need to say, listen, I just need to tell you, I just feel encouraged that I'm supposed to tell you about what Jesus did. You have maybe been ashamed to tell your story, either because you don't want people to know that you came from that background or from that place, but this is the time Jesus is calling you forward to say, listen, if I did it for you, I want to do it through somebody else. It's your faith and it's your story that's going to unlock the miracle in the life of somebody else. We actually see this in scripture. In the Gospels, there's this story of this woman with an issue of blood. And it was a story of great faith. But that's not my favorite part of the story. My favorite sto part of the story is that this woman, she comes, she grabs onto Jesus, the hem of his garment, and she gets completely healed in her body. And, and she just, she goes on and she lives her life. But the impact of that story, you'll actually find chapters later. Uh, later on, especially in the book of Mark, you'll find different instances where it says that people would line up and if they couldn't get to Jesus, they would just reach out and they would touch the hem of his garment. They would just reach out and touch his clothes and he would be healed. Later, this continues on in Acts where it says that Peter's shadow would pass by and there was such great faith in what God could do, would do, and wanted to do that even people would get healed in his shadow. Did you know that your story can have a ripple effect not only just just in your family, but to everybody in proximity. And I'm not just talking about a physical healing. It could be emotional healing. It could be a spiritual healing. It could be that God changed your mindset and somebody else needs to hear that, listen, I thought this way now, I'm, I'm thinking this way and I'm trusting Jesus. And that's as big of a miracle as somebody getting healed. So here's, here's what we're going to do. We're going to use whatever platform we have to share the goodness of God this week. Would you go on Facebook? Would you use Instagram? Would you text somebody, call somebody? Maybe you need to send an email, write a note or a card. Come on, it's Christmas time. Would you go tell it on the mountain? <laughs> Would you go tell somebody that Jesus Christ is born and that he changed and transformed your life? And maybe you're here today and you would say, I'm in, so, I'm in such desperate need of a miracle. I'm in such desperate need of Jesus to do something to me. Maybe you're watching today and you would say, I just need Jesus.
and you might be far from him. You might say, you know, I can't go to the church. I watch online because I don't feel like I can go to a building because I think I'm going to light on fire if I walk inside. Can I tell you that there is not a past that is too great or too gross or too nasty or too dirty. There is nothing that you could have done in your life that would cause Jesus not to love you. In fact, his goodness and mercy has been following you all the days of his life and he's ready. He's standing at the end of the driveway with his arms wide open and he is saying, welcome home. So if that's you today and you say, I need Jesus in my life. I need, I need, I need, I'm in such need. I'm in a broken place. And I want to invite you to make the best decision that you could ever make. I want to invite you to invite Jesus into your life. You can hold the hand of the one who holds the world. So from house to house, from home to home, device to device, if that's you and you say, I want to invite Jesus into my life, there's a few things you can do because we want to take a next step with you. First thing you can do, I think you just need to wave at the screen, just a physical acknowledgement to say, come on, that's me, that's me, don't miss me, that's me. Come on, there's going to be hands going up all across the Edmonton region, all across the globe, the planet, anyone who's watching this right now, you say, I need you, I can, there's hands going up all over the place. Next thing you need to do is get out your phone right now and text the word Jesus, J-E-S-U-S, text the word Jesus, J-E-S-U-S, to 587 Four zero zero two zero one zero. We want to walk with you. We want to give you some resources, give you some practical next steps to go deeper in your faith and to start the most incredible journey. And hey, if, if all that stuff is just too much, just type the word Jesus in the chat and the amazing family of God will wrap their arms of love around you. They'll start sending you personal notes and messages and let you know that they want to walk with you in the season. You just drop it in the chat right now. You want to invite Jesus into your life. You just say Jesus. That's all you have to type. Hey, let's pray a prayer together. And if you want to make that decision, we're all going to say it from house to house and home to home. In fact, if you listen quietly out your front door, you might hear somebody in your neighborhood praying this prayer. Come on, let's pray together. But this prayer is for you. You want to make that first time decision or maybe you're coming back to relationship with Jesus. We say, come on, let's pray. Dear Jesus, I need you now more than ever. So I give you everything. My wins and my losses, my sins and my successes, they're all yours from this moment forward. I'm following you one step at a time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, thanks so much for joining us on the Scattered Saints podcast today. If you want to learn more about our church or what it means to follow Jesus and to become a Christian, I'll encourage you to go to scatteredsaints.ca. You can sign up for details, updates. You can talk to an online pastor. You can find where we have church online on Sunday mornings. Um, And once we join together, of course, you're welcome to join us at one of our locations. So go to scatteredsaints.ca. There's no obligation. You're not signing up for anything. But if you want more information, go to scatteredsaints.ca. And we'll talk to you guys next week.